0: The High Praises Church Podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now, here's Lead Pastor Chris Starr. The Book of Revelation, Chapter One, and I want I want to read verses four through eight. And I'm preaching today a message I've entitled "The Alpha and the Omega." The Alpha and the Omega, and that's a phrase that maybe you have heard in church. I've used it a lot. I've heard it a lot. I don't know that we understand it. So my goal today is that by the time we conclude with our time together in the Word, that you have a deeper understanding of what it means that Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. John chapter 1, John says to the seven churches which are in Asia, verse 4, John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you. And peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne. Some translation says a sevenfold spirit. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler over the kings of the earth. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Hallelujah. And has made us kings and priests to his God and father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him, even they who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. There's a transition now. Jesus speaks, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Come on, can y'all say amen to the Lord, the word today? Hallelujah. Praise God. You can be seated. I love reading the word in church because you can just feel the power and the anointing in the word, can't you? You know, in these few verses that we just read, we learn about a lot about who Jesus is. And I love talking about Jesus. I love, I don't preach to entertain. I don't preach to tickle your ears. I don't preach to do it just because it's a job. I, I just love to talk about Jesus. And I love these verses because John describes Jesus. He describes him as the faithful witness. That's, that is that is that he's the one who speaks the truth all the time. He can't help it because he is the truth. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. John said he's the firstborn from the dead. He came out of that tomb on that Easter Sunday morning. He was the first one to come out. Conquering sin and death for us, conquering death, coming alive, but because he is the firstborn, then that means there are going to be others behind him, and that's us. And because he conquered death, we have the assurance that one of these days we will conquer death as well through the resurrection. John says that he's the ruler over the kings of the earth. I I know we've always said he's the king of kings and the lord of lords. He said he's the one who loved us and washed us from our sins in his blood. And and I just oh so thankful that my sins are washed away. How about you? I'm glad they're not they're not there anymore. They're gone. You can't find them. Try try if you will, but but they're gone. He washed my sins away. He saved me. He's redeemed me. Yeah, I've told you before, my sister years ago when she was just a really little tiny girl, said to my preacher father, "Dad, Daddy, I don't want to get saved. That's not anything a preacher wants to hear. Dad said, Honey, why don't you want to get saved? She said, I don't want to get washed in all that blood. She had heard us sing. Are you washed in the blood in the soul cleansing? She thought there was a big tub out there somewhere. You had to take a bath in blood. Listen, there's no tubs around here. Vats with with blood in it. That it's metaphorical, but don't let don't lose the don't lose the power within the metaphor. It, his blood may have been shed two thousand years ago, but the efficacy of that blood, the power of that blood, the effect of that blood has been touching people for two millennia. And I'm just here to tell you, there's still power in the blood. What can wash away my sins nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again nothing but the blood of Jesus. And so he's the one that has loved us and redeemed us and washed our sins. He's the one who has made us kings and priests. And and I I just feel sorry for us uh, we Americans because we don't get this. We live in a, in a republic. We, we have a democratic form of, of, of government. We don't have a king. We overthrew the rule and tyranny of King George. We just can't think like this. But I'm, I wish somehow today I could convey to you that there is coming a time when Jesus Christ will return to this earth. And, and, and he actually says that. He is the one who will return one day with clouds to judge the st- sinners and establish a kingdom that will never end. And, and Jesus is going to set up this kingdom this one world government and it's going to be a rule and reign of righteousness and he can't rely on the Democrats and he's not going to depend on the Republicans and he isn't going to have any trust in the libertarians and he's surely not going to work with the socialists and the communists and the tyrants and the dictators of the world. No, he's going to sweep all them aside and I I know you're going to have to get this in your head. He's going to be taking you and me and he's going to make you a king and he's going to make you a priest and we're going to rule and reign this earth. That's right. You're going to to be in charge. I'm going to be in charge, and we're going to rule this world in righteousness, and we're going to teach people about Jesus and about the gospel and about righteousness, and nobody will stop us. No government will stop us. No party will stop us. No laws will stop us. No Supreme Court will stop us. We'll put prayer back in the schools. We'll teach the Bible in every school in, in the world. Not just America, but in the world. We, 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 will, we, will, if you, we will not tolerate sinfulness and wickedness and corruption anymore. I know it's hard to imagine because we live in this world steeped in sin, but I'm here to tell you the day is coming when Jesus Christ is going to rule this world and everything is going to be right in the world. And you and I are going to be very much a part of that administration. For a thousand years. Now I love just talking about Jesus, all those wonderful things about Jesus this is what the Bible says about Jesus. But I think it's interesting that there's a transitional point in our text where Jesus speaks instead of John. And when Jesus speaks, there's self-describing words. And he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end. And he repeats this phrase two more times in Revelation. You may not have known this. Revelation 21, 6, it is done. I want everybody to grab those three words right now. Everybody say, it is done. I want you to grab those words right now. Hold on to them. Put them in your pocket, okay? Hang on to them until I get to the end of this sermon. It is done. Just hang on to that. It is done. Because that's so important. It is done. I am the alpha and the omega the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. Revelation 22, 13, I am the alpha and the omega. I am the beginning and the end. I am the first and the last. So let me just show you some things here as a foundation. Alpha, if you don't know this, is the first letter of the Greek alphabet. Omega is the last letter of the Greek alphabet. Does anybody know what the second letter of the Greek alphabet is? It's beta, alpha, beta. That's where we get the word alphabet. Didn't know that, did you? See, come church, you learn things. So, alpha, beta, that's how we get alphabet. But where we have A to Z, A, B, C, Z, A is first, Z is last, they have alpha and omega. First letter, last letter. Beginning of the alphabet, end of the alphabet. Start something, finish something. Get it going, it is done. Y'all better get ready. So, what does this description tell us about Jesus? When I say He's the Alpha and the Omega, He is the beginning and the end, He is the first and the last. It is telling us that Jesus is the initiator and the concluder of all that happens in the world and in your life. He starts and he finishes. Listen, in history, in the church, and in your life, everything is bound up in the work of God, in the decision of God. I want you to see this. So let's go down a the theological road right now. Let's talk about God. God is sovereign. God is sovereign. He is in charge and in control. As the Alpha and the Omega, He must be sovereign. He must be in charge. He causes things to happen and his causes have divine effects on people and on churches and on even nations. He puts plans in motion and then brings them to fruition. He is the start and the conclusion of every matter. Nothing occurs outside of his purview. He is the uncaused cause of all that is. He's, so for him to be the Alpha and Omega, he has to be sovereign in charge. To be the Alpha and Omega, he has to be eternal without beginning or end. The psalmist said, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. That is, from eternity past, as far as it goes, and it never ends, to eternity future, as far as it goes, and it never ends, you're God all the way back there and you're God all the way here without beginning, without end. So he's an eternal God. Now what does that mean? It means that he can begin and conclude things without the worry of time. There is no expiration date when God is at work. The Bible says that to God, a thousand years is as a day and a day is as a thousand years. A thousand years is a long time to us. But when you are eternal and not limited by time or space, then time means nothing to you. So I like to preach, I've preached this for years, that for Jesus, who died, rose from the grave, showed himself alive, went back to heaven, for Jesus, that happened a couple of days ago. It's been 2,000 years for us, but for him, it's just been a couple of days. When did you die, Jesus? Rise from the dead, just a couple of days ago. So he has all the time in the world to fulfill what he begins to do. So God is sovereign in charge and in control. If he's going to be the Alpha and Omega, he has to be eternal without beginning or end, unlimited by time or space, and he also has to be all-knowing. Isaiah 46, 9 and 10 says, remember the former things of old for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. Listen to this, declaring the end from the beginning (laughs) and from ancient times, things that are not yet done saying my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. Declare. See, we start at the beginning, but we don't know what the end is. We have to get there but god unlimited by time or space and having all knowledge goes to the end and says this is how it'll end because i'm in charge and i'm working here this is how to begin this is how to play out this is how to end i already know the end i know you don't know the end but i know the end it's going to be oh i wish you could come up here and see this because but you can't cuz you're you're limited by time but just trust me He knows the initial stages. He knows the eventual outcome. Nothing catches him by surprise. So when God begins something, what I'm trying to tell you is the alpha and the omega. When God begins something, he'll always finish it. No one or no no thing will stop him. No one or nothing will thwart his plans When he sets his mind to accomplish something or to create something, no devil in hell can impede him. In the Old Testament, at one point, God said, I will work and who will hinder me? And the answer is nobody. How many are glad this morning when God gets started? It's gonna come to pass. That's the God we serve. He's the Alpha and the Omega. All-powerful, sovereign, eternal, all-knowing. He can make it happen. I tell you all that because from Genesis to Revelation, I'm going to preach from Genesis to Revelation this morning. You're in trouble. No, you're not. I'm going to highlight three things from Genesis to Revelation. We see Jesus as the Alpha and the Omega. Okay? So let's start in Genesis 1. Where do we see God as the Alpha and the Omega? Right at the beginning of the Bible. Help me with Genesis 1-1. Ready? Go. In the... There was a time when there was nothing but God. There was a time when there was no universe, no galaxies, no stars, no sun, no moon, no earth, no continents, no oceans, no trees, no grass, no animals, no humans. Nothing. Nothing. And one day, through divine fiat and by God's powerful spoken word, God began to create. There was a beginning of something, us, everything. In the beginning, there was a beginning. Who initiated that? God. In the beginning was the word, that's Jesus. And the word was with God, And the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And all things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. See, God made everything. He created everything. And because there was a beginning, there will be an ending. So I'm just showing you here. So now we're going to go from Genesis one 1 all the way over to Revelation chapter 21. See, that was preaching pretty fast all the way through the Bible. In Revelation 21.1, John said, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. It had ended and there was no more sea. In 2 Peter 3.10, Peter said, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, watch this, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with a fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Everything that we know, and as we know it, will be annihilated by an intense heat, and then God will start something fresh and new called the new heavens and the new earth and it has no sea in that new earth. You can literally drive your car all the way around the new earth. That would be cool, won't it? Or like Forrest Gump, you can run, I guess. Okay, so watch this, the Alpha and the Omega created everything, one day he'll end everything, and then one day he'll create it again, and only the Lord knows what's gonna happen way out there. See, he is the alpha and the omega. Now, you say, Pastor, that's really cool. Man, that's cool. You show us some really cool stuff here. That's just really neat. All right, so what's the point? Glad you asked. Here's the point. Here's the lesson. Don't get too attached to this world and the things of this world. Hang on to them loosely and be able to let go of them at any time. The Bible says money takes wings and flies away Jesus says the things of this earth rust all the dresses you buy and clothes y'all buy ladies the moths we can eat holes in them and ruin them you, you you can't hold tightly to this world we get enamored with this world we are tempted to get drawn into this world and the things of this world and the neglect of the spiritual things listen the things of this world enjoy them enjoy what you can that's fine But always remember the things of God are eternal. They're what's going to outlast the ending of the heavens and the earth. That's what you carry with you into eternity. And so always make the spiritual eternal things priority. You hear me? That's the lesson we learn. Because they'll last forever. Here's the second thing from preaching from Genesis to Revelation is that right in the middle between Malachi and starting with Matthew, something happened. The son of God broke into earth scene, showed up and said, I think I'll do something. I think I'll do something. It was planned before, What? watch this, he's the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. So watch this. This plan was set in motion before God ever did Genesis 1-1. But he had to get Genesis 1-1 going so he could get in the middle at Matthew 1 and set this plan in motion, and that is to come die for us and create a plan for our salvation to redeem fallen humanity. There was a time, just like there was a time when there was no sun, no moon, no galaxy, no universe, no humans. There was a time when there was no savior. There was no redeemer. There was no plan of salvation. There was no total victory over sin and death. Yes, you were saved by grace through faith but the power of death still separated people from God, and, and, and the, the bulls and goats couldn't do a final, lasting work. It was temporary. And Then one day, in the town of Bethlehem, a little baby was born named Jesus, who is the son of the living God. God robed with flesh, and he started something in Bethlehem, and he carried it out throughout Israel, Every once in a while, he might go over to a little place called Tyre and Sidon, but most of that plan was carried out in Israel and it started at Bethlehem and then the plan was concluded at a place called Calvary, where he suffered and he died for the sins of of humanity. He paid the ultimate sacrifice for the sins of mankind. He opened up a new and a living way to God. He came with a purpose. He came with a plan. He came with a mission. And a lot of times people didn't understand it. At 12 years old, he's in the temple and, and he's questioning the the, the teachers of the law, and he left his parents and didn't tell them where he was going. There were no cell phones. and They didn't know where to find him. For Three days they are looking for him. Finally they find him in the temple. They're There's a little upset with him, and they're trying to talk to him about it. And he looks up and, and says, I don't understand what the big deal is. Don't you know I have to be about my father's business? I've got a job to do. The timing wasn't right. So he yielded to them. But at 30 years of age, he started. And three years he walked this earth. And then he was. it was time to go to Calvary. And he was. He set his face like a flint to go to Jerusalem. Peter didn't like it. Peter tried to talk him out of it. The devil didn't like it. The devil tried to tempt him and and, and to take an alternate route and never get to Calvary. But Jesus just rebuked both of them and said, I'm going to get this thing done. And he went to the cross and he hung and he bled and he died paying the price. And you say, Pastor, what do you mean? What was going on. I'll tell you what was happening. What was started at Bethlehem had to end at Calvary where he gave his life for the sins of mankind. Death, sin demands death. You die for your sins. The penalty for sins is not, you don't go pay a ticket for $50 down at the courthouse. You give your life. The wages of sin is death. But Jesus said, I qualify. I will die in your place. And then I'll take the punishment for your sin. You don't have to, and I'll take what I have, which is perfect righteousness, and I'll swap with you, and I'll give you what I got, and you give me what you have. Give me your sin. I'll give you my righteousness. You say, how do you know he did it? Because there are seven sayings of Jesus when he was hanging on the cross, but the last one is the best one of all because with triumph in his voice just before he gave up his spirit, he cried out, It is finished. You go ahead and shout. You feel like it. That's what you're supposed to do. You don't know what to do. Shout. Rejoice. It's done. It is done. He could have hung there and said, it is done. I am the alpha and the omega. I am the beginning and the end. The writer of Hebrews said, I am the author. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. Woo, God, I feel the Holy Ghost. So what's the lesson? The lesson is if you came to High Praises Church today or you're watching right now online, whether it's live or you're watching a video of this, Here's the lesson. If you are here today or you're listening, you don't know Jesus as your Savior. You're a sinner. You do sinful things. You disobey God, and you're not right with God, and if you died right now, you'd split hell wide open, and you know it. The thing is, the work for you to be saved and to come out of that sin has already been done. It's completed. The alpha, watch this, the alpha baby is the Omega Lamb. Jesus was the real alpha male. And the alpha baby became the Omega Lamb. You don't have to do anything. A lot of people want to help Jesus out. I just need to help him out. Need to do some good works. Need to go volunteer down at the United Way or maybe down the Soup Kitchen or go down to AIM see if they can paint something. I try to help people. I try to do good things to people. I mow this woman's grass over here. That, that should count for something with God. No, it doesn't. Now, if you're saved, it does, because you're just giving glory to God and help, hoping they'll see Jesus in you. But if you're trying to gain saving points with God, it eh, doesn't work, because God said that's not the way you get saved. You come through Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me so you don't have to do anything because the alpha and the omega has already done it it's done you just come by faith you just trust him and say i believe that what you did has efficacy it has it has it can have an effect on me it could do something in me and i just receive the free gift i take it and you grab hold of it and you never let go how many of you glad Jesus is our Alpha and Omega as our Savior? Come on, give him praise this morning. <laughs> Hallelujah to the Lamb. Pastor Chris, that's cool stuff. That's good. That's good. All right, what am I going to do with this? Hold on, I'm not done. Genesis to Revelation. Right in the middle of all that is you. It's you. If you are saved, Jesus has started something good in you. And you listen to me. He fully intends to complete what he started in you one day, and that's the salvation of your soul. He's going to finish it. I'm going to show you this on the screen. Philippians 1, 3 through 6. Paul is praying here. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine making requests for you, all with joy. If you want to know what pastors do right there, you got a glimpse of it. We think about you all the time and we're praying for you all the time. That's what we do, that's what shepherds do. Okay? For your fellowship in the gospel. Uh-oh, hold on. It's about to get about to get rich. All right? It's like that molten lava cake over at Chili's or whatever we used to do it. You ever eat that thing, all that chocolate? It's about to get rich you going to smack your lips together for your fellowship in the gospel from the what? first day first it had to be a first day how many of y'all remember when you got saved do y'all remember when you got saved anybody remember when you got saved how many remember when you heard the gospel how many remember when you gave your life to Jesus right there was a first it was the first day see god started something in you And he said, you've been sharing in this fellowship of the gospel until now. That's where you are right now. Okay? Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun, do you see that? He has begun a good work in you, will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. What he started, the Alpha and the Omega, will finish one of these days. you you will experience what some call the consummation of your salvation. See, Jesus initiated your salvation. He called you, he convicted you, he drew you to himself, he forgave you, he justified you, he redeemed you, he regenerated you, he sanctified you, he adopted you as his son or his daughter, he placed his Holy Spirit inside of you. The Bible says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. See, something fresh, something new, a new work of God. Old things have passed away, all things have become new. Listen to me. Salvation is a new beginning. Salvation is a fresh start. Your past is behind you and irrelevant. Somebody needs to hear me preach that this morning. It doesn't matter what you did. It doesn't matter who you were. It doesn't matter what your reputation was. When Jesus saves you, all of that gets pushed aside and no longer matters because it's a fresh start. If I was preaching to teenagers like I did 30 years ago as a youth pastor, I would say when you guys play a video game and you're in the middle of playing an action and all of a sudden your character gets gets killed. That doesn't mean the game is over for good. They got a button where you can push and you can get a fresh start and a do over and you just hit it and your character comes back to life. And then you go back to fighting again to see if you can win that time. I'm telling you this morning, we don't do the fighting. Jesus Christ came and fought the battle for us. And he fought the battle that makes it where we can get saved and we get out of our life of sin. And it's a do over. It's a fresh start. You walk in faith. You walk in relationship with Jesus. You learn how to be led by the Spirit of God. You serve God and you witness to others about his saving grace. You tell other people what God did for you. You grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's what Paul meant when he said he, that first day until now. These are the things that are happening in you, in you now, okay? But listen, I want to take you to Philippians 2, 12 and 13. <laughs> Therefore, my beloved as you have always obeyed not as in my presence only but now much more in my absence let me stop right there you better live right when the preacher's not around don't just don't just act right when the preacher's around okay obey when no listen obey when nobody's around that's good preaching Obey when nobody's there to hold you accountable. Come on, somebody, do the. You always, come on, always do the right thing. Okay, so Paul, Paul's complimenting them as you've always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Watch this. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Do your part, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Watch this, y'all. While you do your part, okay, you need to understand that God is doing his part. He is working in you. He is pulling for you. I meet Christians all the time, and maybe there's something about this Pentecostal holiness thing where we we stress it so much, we stress obedience and living right, and holiness is our standard of living, that sometimes we've set the bar so high that we think, I've got to do it. I've got to do it. The weight is on my shoulders every day in fear and trembling. I'm trying to do the right thing, and then I mess up and I do the wrong thing. I, all the time, I feel like I'm a failure with God, and I don't feel like I'm doing it. Listen, don't go down that path. Yes, you have to obey. Yes, you have to make the right choices. Yes, you have to live right, okay? All that's true, but understand, while you're doing your part, the Holy Spirit of God inside of you is empowering you, enabling you, giving you what you need so that you can make the right choice, giving you the strength, giving you the mental disposition so that you choose to do the right thing. And guess what? When you don't do the right thing, where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. And God says, Come to me humbly and ask for forgiveness, and I'll wash you and cleanse you. If we confess our sin, 1 John 1, 9, he is faithful and he is just. He's fair, see? He's fair like that. He's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you. Come on, how many know that blood can cleanse you even after you're saved? And you mess up. He'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness. God's working. What I don't think you understand is he is pulling for you. He is empowering you. He is equipping you. He is transforming you from glory to glory. He is doing these things that you probably don't even realize he's doing it. He is making you more and more like Jesus every day of your life. Some of us are A students. Some of us are D plus students, right? Some of us are doing a little better than others. But the point is God is working. The Back in the early days, back in the early days uh, of this nation, I'm a big history buff, as y'all know. Um, the founding fathers, George Washington, this fits George Washington, several others. They were they were Christians, but they were they believed this form of doctrine called deism. Now, we don't believe in deism. Okay, so you just know, but they were deists. And Deists believed that God was the great watchmaker and that he would wind up the watch and then step back and then it would start ticking and do its thing. And they thought that God would set things in motion, like the great watchmaker, he would set things in motion, but then he would just sit back on the throne, cross his arm, kick his legs up, open a dot, Dr. Pepper, get a bag of pork rinds, and watch it happen. Now, they don't believe I made up the Dr. Pepper, Port Ryan's Park. They didn't believe that. They didn't have Dr. Pepper back then. But if they did, that's not true. They thought that God did not get his hands involved in the affairs of men. What I'm preaching to you is the Bible tells us over, I just read you the verses, that while you're trying to live for the Lord, it is God who every day of your life, every moment, y'all, he is in you, working on you, working in you, changing you. Come on, how many of you can say you're not what you ought to be, but you're not what you used to be? Can you testify to that? Come on. Yeah, not not what you ought to be, but, you, but thank God you're not what you used to be. Because God is, and our job is just what he started, let him, let him work. And one of these days, he's gonna bring it to completion. I love teaching. I love teaching, preaching. I want y'all to say this with me. Say, I have been justified. I am being sanctified. One day I will be glorified. He started it. He's working one day that which is perfect shall come i feel the whole i felt the holy ghost last year i feel the holy ghost right now i can't hardly contain myself Whew. so i'm going to conclude with these lessons one of these days jesus will finish what he has started when he returns for his church so here's the first thing i want to say to you the alpha is going to be the omega And that's the king, the returning king. And I'm here to say it one more time to a church that needs to hear it again. Jesus Christ is coming again. Do you believe it? He's coming again. He came the first time. They prophesied he'd come the first time. He's coming again. And he's coming the second time, listen, to finish what he started. And I I want you to know right now, there is a world out there that wants to mock you, they want to make you think that that is the stupidest thing in the world that only dumb, ignorant people would believe something like that. But then they call me dumb and label me stupid. But I believe he's coming back. I believe it because it's in the word. If he said it, he can't lie. And he is coming back one of these days to, to catch us away. And the devil would love for us to ignore that and not believe it. Listen, I know, I know that when I was a kid, everybody thought Jesus was coming in my daddy's generation. Everybody thought Jesus was coming in my grandfather's generation. Everybody thought Jesus was coming in my great-grandfather's generation. Hey, Paul and John and all of them thought Jesus was coming in the first century in their generation. Now here I am in my mid-50s, and he hasn't come yet. And I've got two sons, two beautiful daughters-in-law. I've got three grandsons and a fourth one on the way in less than a month. Elizabeth's due. I'm going to have my fourth grandson. And he hasn't come back yet, all right? But I'm here to tell you, Even though he hasn't come back yet, and even though it would be easy to say, well, maybe they're wrong. Maybe we've got this thing twisted. Maybe none of this is true. I'm here to tell you, you cannot let what has happened in the past and what is happening now dictate the work of the Alpha and the Omega. If he hasn't come back yet, that doesn't mean he's not coming. That just means he hasn't come back yet. But it does mean one of these days he will be coming back, and we need to be ready for him when he comes because he's coming back for somebody that's looking for him. We need to be ready. And what does that leave me to my second point? My second point, some people act like God is not on the throne. Some people act like Jesus is not coming back. I'm talking about Christians. They worry, they fret, they toy with sin, they toy with worldly vices, they act like the world. And I'm just gonna go here I have not said anything, but I'm going to make a statement. I didn't do this in the first service, and, Lord, it's being videotaped, and it will be documented, but I don't care. I am sick and tired, I'm not on Facebook, but I'm sick and tired of hearing in the church how people have become divisive and how they have become so focused on politics and Donald Trump and Joe Biden and vaccines and non-vaccines and we are consumed with that and we spend hours reading it and posting things and we have have become antagonistic in the body of Christ and we are no longer pursuing peace and the bond of peace and, 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 and unity in the church and the devil is over in a corner laughing his head off and thankful for what we're doing. We need to get our minds off of all that stinking stuff and lift our eyes. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. If nobody else will shout, I'll shout. We need to get our eyes back on Jesus and look at Jesus and let Jesus unify the church and get our eyes on what Jesus wants us. We need to get busy with what Jesus is doing because he's coming back. Get our eyes off of this stuff and get our eyes back on Jesus. (laughs) Hallelujah. You can be seated. I don't want anything that divides the church. And a true shepherd will preach like this because I wouldn't put up with anything that divides my church. I believe in Barney Fife method. Nip it, nip it, nip it. There's a devil who's laughing his head off at us. We get so passionate. It's good to be passionate, but you got to be careful that you don't get passionate about the wrong things. Now, listen number two, it's good to be passionate, but you better make sure you don't get more passionate about some things than you do, Jesus. Here's the third truth. Some people are afraid they won't make it to heaven. I'm talking about Christians. Some people are afraid they're going to miss the rapture. These are false feelings. These are false thoughts. Listen to the man of God today. Jesus is doing everything in his divine power. Everything he can to make sure that you Make it through. He went to great lengths to save your soul. He died on a cross. He suffered and bled and died to save you. And he's not going to allow you to somehow... The bumbling bumbling grandfather God, nobody slips through his fingers. The only way you get out of his hand is if you take yourself out of his hand. He's got a hold on you. Oh, Lord Jesus. You're going to make it. You don't need to fear. Perfect love casts out fear. And that is the most misquoted scripture in the Bible. Perfect love cast out fear. and they, then they, Let me tell you what that verse means, okay, because context determines it. What that verse says, hermeneutically, go look at it, is the fear of judgment, the fear of going to hell, the fear of missing the rapture. But here's what you, perfect love cast out fear. You want to get rid of the fear of missing the rapture? You, you want to get rid of it? Just crawl, crawl up in the arms of Jesus and let him love on you for a while. And when He loves on you for a while, you realize that that love is not some temporary, manly love that can come and go as it please. No, as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is His love for those who fear Him. His love is infinite. His love is incomprehensible. He loves you with a love that will—it ne- is inexhaustible. His love is not whimsical. It's—it's it's not flippant. It isn't contingent on things. He loves you, and his determination is, I've got a hold of you, and unless you weasel your way out of my hand and tell me you don't want this gift of salvation anymore, I'm going to keep working on you, and I'm going to bring you through, and one of these days, you're going to make it to heaven. You just trust me. Why? Because I'm the alpha and the omega, and, and what I start, I always finish. You hearing me this morning, what I start, I always finish. You'll make it through. You better play something so I can quit. Stand with me. Y'all stand so I can quit. I tell you, I, I felt an anointing to preach this morning like I haven't felt in a long, long time. I've had this message for probably two weeks. Jesus will never quit on you. So don't you ever, ever quit on him. You keep pressing on, you keep serving God, you run the race. You keep the faith. You cross that finish line. I was, I was on vacation. I took a week and a half. It was wonderful. Hallelujah. Because part of the time it rained, same rain y'all had, we got some of it. You know, you're not supposed to be spiritual on vacation, right? Just kidding. And, and I still, most mornings, I got up and I walked. I, found, I figured out a two-mile trek on that Seabrook Island. So I was walking, praying like I like to do in the mornings. And a lot of times I do this. Lance, I'm walking, and i say, Lord, you didn't come yesterday, but you might come today. Lord, it's beautiful here in this island. I'm on vacation. I'm catching these big old redfish and five-foot sharks. And I learned how to throw a cast net. Lord, that was cool because I got a big net full of mullet. Oh, that was so much fun. And I'm not having any church members calling me. Hallelujah. Thank you. Oh. Can I stay three more months? I mean, Lord. It's so nice here, Lord. Got a beautiful wife, two great sons, two great daughters-in-law, four, three grand boys, one on the way. I'm blessed, highly favored. It's all good, Lord. But none of that stuff matters, Jesus. It'd be all right with me if you came right now. I'd give it all up in a heartbeat. None of that matters. If I go be with you forever. you just finish what you've started in me. I'm preaching to the church today. Enjoy these things of the world, but just hang on to them loosely. Make sure you can let them go at a moment's notice because nothing is more important than Jesus. I want everybody in this church to come to the altar, and I'd like to conclude here. Don't leave. Just join me down here. I'm gonna make it. He already said that I would. Somebody needs this. So I'll keep on trusting. That he's working everything for my good. He walks beside me. <laughs> and heaven is in my view. Oh, I'm gone. Singers, I'm gonna make it. Come on, I'm gonna make it. He already said that I would. He already said that I would. I'll keep on trusting that He's working. That he's working everything for my good. He walks beside me. He walks beside me. And heaven is in my view. Come on, say it. And heaven is in my view. Oh, I'm going to make it. I'm going to make out and every eye closed if there's somebody in this church this morning and say pastor chris i'm not i'm not gonna make it i'm not gonna make it there's sin in my heart there's sin in my life if i died right now i'd split hell right open i know i'm not right but i want to make it i want to know the alpha and the omega i want him to start something i want him to save me and begin this saving work in my life and i want to make it to heaven i want to make it through you're in this house this morning, you say, Pastor, that's me. I want to be saved. I want to be saved. I want to be saved. Pastor Chris, help me. I want to help you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, raise your hand and just get my attention so I know if that's you. Raise it high and say, Pastor Chris, I want to be saved. Anybody in this house this morning? Anybody in this house? I prayed all week for God to save somebody. Thank you, young man. You can put your hand down. I see your hand. Anybody else in this house? I need to be saved. Anybody else? Come on, I'm not going to linger. Either you raise your hand or you don't. I'm not going to linger. If God's working on you, raise your hand. Anybody else? Hallelujah. Anybody else? We're going to help one young man today get saved. He wants to get saved. Can we help him? Young man, I want you to pray. We're going to all pray, and you pray this prayer, and you pray it with faith and believe, okay? Y'all, let's help this young man. Help me. Everybody say this. You say this. Everybody go. Go. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner, and I'm so sorry for my sins. I'm embarrassed. I'm ashamed. I I can't take it anymore. I want you to save me. Please save me. Wash my sins away. Change me. Come into my heart. I believe that you died on the cross for me, that you rose again, that your death has the power to forgive me, to change me, to make me right with God. You're starting something in me. And I commit to walking with you all the way to the end. I repent of my sins. I'm gonna turn from them now. And I'm gonna do what's right. And I accept you as my Savior and Lord. And for the rest of my life, I promise to serve you and live for you until I die or until Jesus comes. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for changing my life. I like to do this, say I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm saved. And I know that I'm saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Every head up, every eye open. Come on, y'all give Jesus a hand clap for this young man. God bless you, young man. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings. Our service times are 9 o'clock and 1045. For more information, please visit us at highpraises.org.